Thanks for joining us today here at Emmanuel. We are one church in multiple locations. We believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that we hope is both inspiring and relevant to your life. If this service blesses you and you want to give back financially, you can do so at eclife.org, click on Give, and choose Online Viewer as your campus. Thank you again for joining us. Get ready for an incredible life-changing message. Well, good morning, church. How are you feeling today? <clears throat> a little chilly out there today, isn't it? Wow, it got a little colder, it feels. It's unbelievable. Hey, if you're a first-time guest with us here today, that means that someone who loves you has invited you because they wanted you to experience what they're experiencing here at Emmanuel. And so uh, can we give it up for our first-time guests? Thank you for attending. That's very, very exciting. I also want to give a little shout out, a little love to our online guests right now, literally watching us all across the country and all across the world. Uh, I have some friends right now. Actually, you guys have some friends right now. They're watching in Nicaragua. They took the backpacks down there. Remember the backpacks we raised money for, Be the Change? Gave those backpacks out today. And they're also baptizing 40 people right now as we are preaching. So we love you guys. So exciting. A little love right there. God's doing great things, isn't he? Hey, we're in a series right now called The Gift. We started it last week. It's our Christmas series. Very simple idea this Christmas season. The gift. The greatest gift that's ever been given by anyone, anywhere, anytime to anyone is the gift of Christmas. And what we said last week is we, we looked at this verse in John chapter 3, verse 16 that says, For God so loved the world that he Oh, a little bit better than that. For God so loved the world that he gave. Yeah, he gave. Like Christmas is all about this gift of this baby coming into the world, wrapped in swaddling clothes, placed in a manger, and there's shepherds out in the field, and the angels come and they talk to the shepherds, and, and there's animals everywhere. How many of you have been up at a church service before, years ago, where they had the kids on stage and they reenacted the whole thing? You've been there, right? Like that's, that's, that's really... The, the gift of Christmas, that this baby came into the world to offer us eternal life and abundant life. The rest of that verse says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. And that's what we're interested in. We're interested in this thing called eternal life and abundant life, a life of hope, a life of joy, a life of meaning, a life of purpose, a life of worth and identity and value. And so that's the gift of Christmas. What's amazing is, is that millions upon millions, even billions of people have heard about the offer of the gift and they've said, no thanks. They've passed. And last week, if you were here, what we said is the reason that they passed, the primary reason that so many people have passed on the gift, they haven't opened it, they haven't received it, is because they don't understand the context within which the gift was given. They don't understand the darkness in this world, and they don't comprehend the darkness in their own hearts. Because if they did, if they knew that this world, how dark this world really was, and how dark things are really on the inside, they would run towards the light. Because when does light have value, right? Only when we need it, right? Only when we understand and see the darkness. That's when we grab for a flashlight. That's when we grab for the light so that we can see. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 12. I am the what? Say it with me. The light. Like when, when I came into this world, I, I am a light for you into this world. If you follow me, that's a big if, but if you follow me, you won't have to walk in 
darkness. But what if you don't think there's any darkness? What if you don't think there's any darkness inside your soul? What if you just kind of hide your head in the sand like an ostrich does with all the darkness in the world? Say, oh, everything's fine. And you won't run towards the light. The light only becomes valuable when we understand the darkness. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't walk in darkness. Why? Because you will have the light that leads to life. See, Christmas is about a, pra- a really practical thing called everyday living. <laughs> like when the baby came into the world, it wasn't so that we could have a holiday in the middle of winter, okay? Some of you think that's the, that's the reason why he came into the world. That's not why. He came into the world to be a light for my life right now, today, and every day in your life as well. And show us exactly how to live this life here on earth. It's called eternal life. It's called abundant life. But so many people have passed on the gift because they don't understand the context within which the gift was offered. And that is a very dark world. How many of you believe we live in a dark world today? Yeah. And when we understand the darkness, we would run to grab the light. So last week we talked about the light. We said that it was the light of joy. And the light of joy pushes out the darkness of fear and worry and anxiety and hatred and all those dark things that lurk within. Today, I want to continue the conversation and talk a little bit more about what this light actually is. Are you excited? Okay, you need to be excited. A little bit more. Are you excited? Okay. Now, here's why. Because I'm I'm, going to talk about the darkness again. We're going to go pretty dark for a little bit. And then I promise you I'm going to bring you back out. Can you hang with me? Yes or no? Can you hang? Okay. Okay. So here's here's, here's where we're going to go. Life can be very disappointing. Have you seen this? Have you seen it? Like it's real, like things don't go your way, like things don't go the way you had hoped, like the marriage doesn't go the way you had hoped. Somebody like, amen, brother, preach it. Like you thought it was going to go a different, and the marriage didn't go the way you had hoped. Like some of you are like, by now I had hoped to find the man of my dreams, the woman of my dreams, I'm still waiting, right? And it hasn't turned out the way you had hoped hoped. You're not married. Some of you are married. You're hoping for the marriage to turn around because it's not what you had hoped. Some of you are raising children. You had hoped that they would have turned out differently and they didn't. You know, you got one in juvie and one, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Hopefully you don't have a kid in juvie. If you do, I'm sorry. (laughs) Calm down, calm down, calm down. Things often, my point is this, things often don't turn out the way you had, with the job, you had hoped by now that you would have a job that you can get out of bed and you're passionate about and you just can't wait to get there and and you just got this lame old job that's a paycheck, right? And it's not what you had hoped, Like, like you graduated from college and it's not what you had hoped to be. And we got situation over here, situation over here, situation over here, and, and, and it's not what, it, what you had hoped. And life can be very disappointing. There's a story in the Bible. I love the Bible. Anybody read the Bible? It's a good book. <laughs> Number one bestseller. I read it every day. It's raw. It's real. In the book of Ruth, there's a great story about a woman named Naomi. My mom's name is Ruth. I have an aunt named Naomi, so it's sort of a special book for me. Not really, but... <laughs> Maybe it should be. Uh, Anyway, in the book of Ruth, there's a story about a girl named Naomi. And she marries this guy named Elimelech. That's an interesting name for a boy. Maybe you should consider that if you're having a boy. Or you'd like to have a boy. Elimelech. Elimelech marries Naomi. They have two sons. Things are going great. They've got this little cool little family thing going on, right? You know, the two boys get married. And all of a sudden, one day, Elimelech dies. Not too long after that, about a year goes by, and both of her sons die. Don't know why, it doesn't say. 
So here's Naomi. She loses her husband, then she loses two boys. Now she's left with two daughters-in-law. One, one daughter-in-law is named Ruth. The other one is like, sort of like Oprah, but not really Oprah. It's like Ophrah, something like that. And so what do they do? There's just three women left, right? And so, so they say, well, let's go back to Jerusalem because that's where our relatives are. And we've got a, you know, a family member there. His name was Boaz, if you know the story. And so Ophrah says, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. And Ruth says, man, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Like, I'm committed to you. You're my mother-in-law. We're going to die together. So Ruth goes back to Jerusalem with Naomi. When they get back to Jerusalem, one of the women in Jerusalem recognizes Naomi and says, oh, Naomi, you're home. Listen to what Naomi says in verse 20. Don't call me Naomi. Now, there's a reason for that, because the word Naomi in the Hebrew means pleasantness. It means blessed. It means favor. It means that, that, that God has been good to, to me. That's what the name means. She says, don't call me that. Instead, I want you to call me Mara. And the word Mara meant bitterness. For the Almighty has made my life very bitter. She lost her husband, and she lost both of her sons. Now it's just her and her daughter-in-law. And she says this, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home. Say it with me. Empty. You ever been there? If you haven't been there personally, do you know someone who's been there? I went away full, and now I'm empty. She says this, verse 21, why call, my, why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me. Life just, just simply doesn't turn out the way you had hoped. I was talking to a friend of mine recently about this. Her name's Jenny. Some of you know her. She's my assistant. She's also the operations director here at church. Many years ago, she, she went through a tough divorce. And then she prayed and prayed and prayed. And she prayed for a new husband. And she found a man named Brian. Brian, some of you, some of you remember Brian. He was a fantastic man. Served here at the church. And got to know Brian a little bit personally. And... Uh, I guess it was about two and a half years ago, Brian, came, Brian got cancer. And a little bit over a year ago, Brian passed away. And I watched Jenny walk through both, not, not both of those scenarios, but the, the death of Brian. And so I asked her, I said, you know, you have a unique perspective. I don't. I've never been divorced and I've never, uh, I've never lost a spouse. So that's some serious pain. Can you show me, can you tell me what, what your thoughts are? Here's, here's what she said to me, and I have it, I have it written down. She said, when I married Brian, I was certain God had answered my prayer, but I assumed the answer automatically included a long life of growing old together. Definitely not where I had hoped to be at this point in my life. Did you catch that? Definitely not what I had hoped. She thought that her and Brian were just going to grow old together and have this long life together, and God gave them some great years together for sure. But sometimes life just doesn't turn out the way you had thought, and tragedy comes into the picture. Now, I promise you, I'm going to pick you up here in a second, but i got to go a little bit deeper. It's going to get a little bit darker. Can you hang with me? Can you hang with me? Yes or no? It's not just about the tragedy. It's what happens after the tra tragedy that gets even more difficult. See, if we're not careful, we let the disappointment plunge us into darkness. Like, how we handle the tragedy tells the whole story. A lot of times, people go through the tragedy, and they allow that tragedy just to send them into a, this downward spiral where things get darker and darker and darker until people become hopeless, and they lose, and, and, and they're filled with despair. I saw something come out the other day by CBS on a, on a poll of 2,000 Americans that 72% of Americans, based on this poll, struggle with loneliness, especially during the holiday season because it's cold and it's gray and their loved ones are not with them, and is to struggle with, with loneliness, 72%. 16, 16 million Americans struggle on a daily basis with depression. 16 million. 
350 million people struggle with depression worldwide. I saw a statistic the other day, blew my mind. People who are out of work, this is unbelievable, 43% of people who do not have a job have stopped looking for one. Let that sink in, folks. They lost their job, and 43%, almost half of people out of work, have stopped filling out resumes. What is that? That's despair. That's hopelessness. 65% of people who have been out of work for two years have stopped looking for work. 65%. They've just given up. What's the point? I'll just go on and, you know, somehow make a way. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about darkness. The darkness of loneliness, the darkness of depression, the darkness of anger, the darkness of, of, of bitterness, the darkness of hopelessness. That happened to Job. Remember, Job. remember Job's story? Anybody read the book of Job? It's not Job, it's Job. <laughs> it's right in the middle. It's about a story of a guy who was doing awesome stuff and was super blessed. And the Bible says he was the richest person in the whole land as measured by cattle and donkeys. And he had like 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen. And he was a very wealthy man. He also had seven sons and three daughters. In one day, what happened to Job? If you read the book, Job chapter one, what happened to Job? He lost it all. Talk about a bad day. Chapter three, listen to the despair. Chapter three, verse 10, listen to the darkness in Job's life. Listen to what he says about his birthday. Curse that day for failing to shut my mother's womb. You talk about some darkness for letting me be born to see all of this. Say it with me. Trouble. Told you we had to go dark. We had to go deep because this is real life. Listen to what he says. Why wasn't I born dead? Why didn't I die as I came from my mother's womb? Wow. Ever been there? Some of you have been there. You know exactly what Job is talking about. Like what is the point of all of this if all I'm going to have is trouble after trouble after trouble? That's That's what can happen to all of us. And that's why it's so important to talk to you today about the gift of Christmas. If you're a note taker, here's what I want you to hear about Christmas. Christmas is the light of hope. Like the gift of Christmas is the light of hope. Why? Because we need hope in this life. Let me pick you up a little bit here. God's will for you is to be the type of person who is filled with hope. What does that mean? That means the type of person who believes that things are going to get better even when the probability, it doesn't look like it's going, to, it's going to get better. The type of person who says to himself, to herself, to your friends, hey, keep your head up because things are going to turn around. Like this situation has come to pass. Like this, it won't always be that way. Did you know it was God's will for you to be filled with that sort of hope? Did you know that? I can, I can prove it to you. From the book of Romans, chapter 15, verse 13, the Apostle Paul writes many, many things in the book of Romans. Fantastic book, a little bit confusing at times, but if you haven't read Romans, I would dive into it and try to, try to really you know, absorb it. In chapter 15, he's sort of wrapping up the letter, and he wants to give them some encouragement as he finishes the letter, the Christians in Rome. Listen to what he says in verse 13. May the God of, say it with me, Hope. Let me pause there real quick. I love what Paul does here. He calls him the God of hope. We've heard of maybe God being God is love. We heard of you know God being merciful, but he's also the God of hope. Isn't that fascinating? Like hope comes from him. He hope you could almost say that he is 
hope. Like on Christmas morning, you can say that when the baby was born, like hope was born. Like you could literally say that according to the Apostle Paul. May the God of hope, watch this, fill you with all joy. What was that? That was last week, remember? Remember what I talked about? Okay, and then he says, fill you with all joy and peace. Guess what we're talking about next week? We're gonna talk about some peace, okay? But watch this, fill you with all joy and peace as you do what? As you sit around on the couch and flip through channels, <laughs> right? As you attend church services, sing some songs, no, 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 no. Play video games, no, no. The God of hope will fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him. Watch this. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What I'm talking about to you today is is that God's plan is for your soul to be overflowing with hope in the midst of difficulty and tragedy. What does that mean? That means that it's coming out and it's getting on other people. <laughs> like it's spilling all, like overflowing means there's sort of a mess around, but it's a good sort of mess. Like, like your hope is like getting on your friends and your family members and it's just spilling, splash. it's splashing everywhere. You know, it's hope for everybody. It's not a trickle folks. It's not a little bit of hope over here and a little bit of hope over here. No, it's just, it's, it's sort of gushing out. Like God's will for your life and my life is to, is to be gushing with hope. That's amazing to me. I don't know about you. It's difficult. Some of you right now, you're hearing that. It's like, that's impossible. If you knew my situation, you know, I have good reason not to be overflowing with hope. I understand. The other day I was sitting watching a basketball game. My son was playing and uh, this student came up in the stands and sat next to me, and he started, his student in our, in our student ministries here, high school student, and uh, he started talking to me about his story, and, and I, was, I was interested, but I was also watching the game, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, you know, let me watch the game, you know, a little bit, but he started telling the story, and I was listening, and then he sort of started talking about how things were really hard for him a couple years ago, like two or three years ago, and so I started to pay attention a little bit more, and he started to share more of his heart, and uh, at one point he said, you know, things, things got so dark at one point that I considered taking my life. And at that point, I kind of got real dialed in. I kind of shifted. I was like, whoa, that's interesting. Uh, tell me a little bit more about that. And then so he shared a little bit more. And again, it was loud. And so I didn't really catch everything he was saying. But I did ask him this question before he left. I said, can you just tell me, like, how did you pull out of that? Like, so many people get stuck in that pit of darkness how, did, how were you able as a 13, 14-year-old kid to push through that period and come out to where you are now? Because right now you're like this kid who's engaged in youth group. You're excited about life. You're, you, you've got all these friends. You love Jesus and all this stuff. How did you push through? And, and I love what he said. And, and I'm not going to get it word for word. But he said, you know, I just started to, to understand the gospel more and what Jesus said about me and how my value is in Christ. And I began to understand that the sacrifice of Jesus, what he did for me on the cross and why he would do that is because he loved me and he cherishes me and he wants to be with me. And I was just listening and I'd peek up a little bit, you know, at the game. <laughs> and I saw it. Here's what happened for this, for this kid. His life began to be filled with hope and hope was now flowing out of him. And it was beautiful. And then we sat, shook hands and he went back to his seat and, I thought, God, thank you. Thank you for delivering that student through the valley 
of the shadow of death sometimes, you know? Psalm 23 talks about that. Hope, it's real. Like when the baby came into the world, it's, it's not just a holiday, it's something that, that is light to push out the darkness of loneliness and despair and hopelessness and anger and bitterness and resentment and all those dark things that plague human beings. Now, let me get extremely practical because that, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, that's, that's God's will. To over, for your soul to overflow with joy by the power of the Holy Spirit as you trust him. That's God's will because the Bible says it. But how? See, that's where, where I come to this point, and I hope you do too. Like when you hear a good idea, and I thought that's a pretty cool idea. Do you agree? Like your life's supposed to be filled with hope. Like, is that pretty cool? Yes? No? Okay, I think it's pretty cool. And so now I'm like, okay, so how do I get that hope? Like, tell me, like, what's the plan? Like, what, what are the action steps? And, and that's what I want to talk about the rest of our time today. I want to give you two ideas. Number one, you got to turn to Jesus. You got to turn to, how do I get that hope? I have to turn to Jesus. In other words, when, you know, when you woke up this morning, and when I woke up this morning, the first thing that happens is you kind of you sit up and then your feet hit the ground, right? And then you're sort of in this position right here. Now, if you're like me, which I'm assuming you're sort of like me because you're human and I'm human, there's like some fogginess going on, you know, some stuff in your eyes, you know? And, and, and there's just this moment where it's like, where am I? You know, whatever, you know? And, and it's in that moment, first thing in the morning, where we have to turn to Jesus, first step, before the first step, before the first step towards the coffee pot or the bathroom, whichever one comes first for you. (laughs) Before you do that first step, it's like, Jesus, I turn to you today. My life is yours. You're the master. I'm the disciple. You're the teacher. I'm the student. It's your will be done, not my will be done. Like these hands, eyes, feet, heart are yours. This mouth is yours. I'm turning it over to you. Now let's go get some coffee. That's what I'm talking about. That's how you find hope. Because Jesus is the source of hope. So if I try to live my day without him, or if I'm trying to be the boss or call my own shots or be in control of my life, I forfeit hope, right? Because I'm on my own at that point. How many of you, how many of you live life on, own and you, on your own and you understand there's no hope there, right? Yeah, so first thing in the morning, first step, I turn to you because when Jesus is involved, there is always, always hope. How do I know that? Because when you read this book, that's what you see. That's what you see. Like there's a guy in Matthew chapter nine who had leprosy. Oh, there was all sorts of hope for him. Everybody else had cut him off. Like when you got leprosy in the New Testament, you were cut off. You had to leave. Like you were, you were ostracized. You were kicked out of camp. But there was hope for a man with leprosy in Matthew chapter nine. You read it because Jesus was present. And then in Matthew chapter 8, Matthew chapter 9, there's, a, there's these two blind guys that come out to Jesus and they can't see and they call out to Jesus and he turns their hopeless situation into a, into a situation filled with hope and he heals their blindness. In John chapter 8, there's this woman who's caught in adultery and the, the, the law of Moses said that she should face absolute punishment. She should be stoned to death. But because Jesus was present, there was hope for her. <laughs> he said, where'd your accusers go? She said, Jesus, they all left. He said, well, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. 
There was this woman in Matthew chapter 9 who had this issue of bleeding in her body. And she, was been, she had been bleeding for 12 years in a, in a female sort of way. And we don't really understand the details. But she was desperate. And she thought to herself, if I could just touch the hem of his robe, if I could just get to him and push through the crowd. Sure enough, she does. And she grabs a hold of Jesus as Jesus turns to her in Matthew chapter 9 and says, because of your faith, you are healed. You read it, Matthew chapter 9. Remember the boys in the boat, Matthew chapter 8? Oh, I love the Bible. It's just it's a book of hope. Matthew chapter 8, the boys are in the boat, remember? And they're on the Sea of Galilee, and the waves start coming up. The storm comes out of nowhere. And, and they're thinking to themselves, if Jesus doesn't show up, like the whole thing's going to tip over, and we're going to drown. And there's hope for the, for the guys in the midst of the storm because Jesus steps up. And what does he say to the storm? He says, peace be still. And the winds and the waves obey him. Do you remember John chapter 11? The two women, Jesus' friends, their brother Lazarus dies. They bury him. They put him in a tomb. They're thinking it's over. If Jesus would have showed up a couple of days earlier, he could have healed Lazarus. Jesus shows up right on time. And he says to Lazarus, he says, Lazarus, come forth. And the dead man comes back to life. It's like this in the book. It's right here. It's in the book. Bestseller, right here. You know why I read this every day? Because whether a person has, is dead or a person is blind or the person has leprosy or if a person is in a situation where their body is not working correctly, I understand because of this book, if Jesus is involved, there is always, always, always hope. Always. That's what Christmas is all about. When the baby was born, hope was born. It makes an impact on our life today. Now, I know some of you are hearing that and you're like, but you don't understand. In my situation, it, it didn't work out. Like there wasn't a healing or there wasn't a miracle or there wasn't a, it, it, like I, I prayed and, and he didn't answer. I get that. I get it. I do. I talk to people all the time that struggle with that. How am I supposed to have faith when I prayed for my aunt and my aunt passed away? Like he didn't answer. And here's what I would say to you about that situation. We don't always get what we want. We don't always know why the situation takes place. But what we do know in those scenarios and those situations is that God's heart is good and he has a plan. You say, how do you know that? Because again, when you open this book when you, and you see the story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 50, 39 through 50, and you see the awful, the awful things that happened in his life and how his brothers threw him in a ditch for death and he, he became a slave and all these terrible things happened to Joseph. And in the end, what does he say to his brothers in Genesis 50 verse 20? He said, guys, what you meant for harm, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. It reminds me of Romans 8.28, which says, all things work together for the, say it with me, the good of those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. So even when I don't understand, even when I ask God to do something and he doesn't do it, I understand that his heart is good and he has a different plan. He has something else in mind for me in that, in that moment and something else for you. If you love him and if you trust him. See, when Jesus is involved, there is always hope. That's number one. So we have to turn to him. We have to turn to him first thing in the morning and then for the rest of the day. Let me give you the second one. We have to remember that he's coming back. He's coming back. <laughs> See, if our, if our hope is only in this life, we're in for some trouble, okay? Because a lot of times, it's, the marriage is not going to be put back together. 
Like, like are, are, are loved ones not going to come back from, from the dead? A lot of times, like, the illness, the terminal illness is, is not going to turn around. A lot of times, the job situation, you're not going to be able to get that job back. A lot of times, in this life, things will not turn around. And that's where we have to broaden our perspective and think longer. See, here's the truth about me and you. We are unceasing spiritual beings with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. Let me say it again because it's, it's so true about who you are. You are an unceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. And so when you pick up this book, what you see in almost every chapter in the New Testament is this encouragement to keep looking to the future, looking for Christ's return. In the book of Acts chapter one, verse 11, you know, they're looking up after Jesus rose and he went up right in front of them. The angel comes down and says, why are you looking up in the air? This same Jesus that went up is gonna come back in the same way one day. Titus chapter 2, verse 13, we see that, that the encouragement is to keep looking for the appearing of the Lord Jesus, our blessed hope. In Romans chapter 8, I'll, just, I'll show you one particular passage I love. Paul is talking about how the creation all around us, the earth is groaning. And, 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 and what he means by groaning is, is, is earthquakes and, and, and tsunamis and hurricanes and, and all, these, all of these things that are happening in nature that should not be happening, that were never God's intention, but they're happening because the whole earth is under the curse of sin. And he talks about how creation is groaning and waiting for all of that to be restored and to go away, right? Tsunamis were not God's idea. It happens today because of sin. And then he turns to the Christians, to the believers, and listen to what he says. Romans chapter 8, verse 23. And we believers also, not just creation, but we too groan. What does that word groan mean? It means to have this inner feeling of despair, this, this longing to be set free, he says, we too believe, we, we too also, we groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of the future. Like we know things are gonna be better one day, but right now we still live in this world of sin and darkness. Watch what he says. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. In the same way that creation groans to be restored, we also groan to be released from all the sin, all that's wrong, to be delivered from finally and completely from all that's wrong and evil in this world. Listen to what he says next. We too wait with eager, say it with me, hope. There it is, folks. Hope for the day when God will give us full rights as his adopted children. And I love this part, including the new bodies that he's promised us. Now, I don't know about you, but this gets me pretty excited. Anybody excited about a new body? I got some knee pain. I want to go away. I got some neck pain. I want to go away. Some back pain. Anybody else have any pains? Got some emotional pain. I, I, I can't wait for it to go away. Like what we're talking about here is going into the next life and receiving full deliverance from all that is wrong with our bodies physically and emotionally. All pain, all suffering, all evil completely eradicated and annihilated and restored to God's original intent. Now, that's pretty exciting. I can envision my heavenly body. I don't know about you, but I can. It's going to look a little bit like Michael Jordan's body. <laughs> Not the one he has now, but the one he had when he won six championships. Anybody remember? Looked a little weird in a baseball uniform for a while, but then he got back into action. I'll probably be able to jump from the foul line and dunk a basketball. I'm just saying, I've thought about this. Okay, what does my new body look like? It's gonna be pretty sick. It's probably gonna be better than yours, sorry. <laughs> At least on the basketball court. Anyway, I'm making a joke, but it's real, folks. 
Like what Paul is saying is that if, if, if your hope is just in this life, you're gonna face a lot of discouragement and disappointment. Please remember to keep looking forward to that time where God returns and we receive the full rights of adoption and you receive a brand new body, brand new mind, brand new heart, brand new soul, completely restored. And then in verse 24, Paul says this, we were given this, say it with me, Hope when we were saved. You receive the hope of eternal life, everlasting life, total and complete redemption from sin and suffering when you trusted Christ. In this hope, you were saved. We have to live there. And if you live there every single day, no matter what's going on in this world, whether it's good or bad, whether you're listening to what's going on in politics, Right, and that's making you freak out because you have you have different views and you and, and you have hopes for this country that and you don't think it's going to work out the way you think, or, or, or you're looking at your own family and the problems in your family, or you're looking at yourself and the problems with your body and your heart. Whatever the issues are, if you can can, can stay in this area of hope, you will avoid this downward spiral into darkness. The light of hope chases away the darkness of despair and loneliness and, and anger and depression. That's the gift of Christmas. It's real. And it makes a difference in our lives right now. If Jesus is involved, there's always hope. And if you have trust in him for eternal life, you'll always have hope whatever's go- in the midst of whatever's going on right here. Let me show you what Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 46. He said, I've come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their, if you could say it with me, their trust in me will no longer walk or remain in the dark. I wish, I wish that, that just because the baby was born, everybody would get the light. I just wish that it would just be transferred to you because, just because you're alive. Like, here's some light. I wish I could actually give it to you, you know? Like, here, give some light. here's some light. But it doesn't work that way. Like, you must trust him first thing in the morning. You must put your trust in him every single day if you want the light of hope to chase away the darkness of loneliness and depression and hopelessness and despair. That's a choice that you get to make with your will. See, the soul is made up of a couple of different components. The mind, the emotions, and the will. You have to take your will, call it willpower, it's the place of choice, and you have to choose to trust him. And when you trust him, the light comes in and chases away the darkness. So my question to close with you today is this. Will you trust him today? I love that question, guys. It's like... It's like a quarterback handing the ball off. And you, you have a choice now, what am I gonna do with this ball? Like all I can do is hand it to you. You gotta run. And the running looks like trusting right now. In every, some of you have put your trust in Christ and you're on your way to heaven, you have eternal life, but you haven't trusted him with your relationships. You haven't trusted him with that job situation? Come on, let's, let's be honest. Let's have like a, a, a one-on-one conversation right now. You haven't trusted him with that parenting issue? You haven't trusted him with your job? Like, you don't even take Jesus with you to work. You, you leave him at home. <laughs> Anybody honest enough to admit that? It's like, Jesus, gotta go to work now, see ya. 
And then we wonder why there's darkness and worry and fear and anger. It's because we're not trusting him completely in all the different areas of our life. I'm gonna hand the ball off to you. I'm gonna ask you this question. Will you trust him? Will you run? My hope is that you will. I'm trying to go first. I mess it up. I do, I mess it up. And there's darkness creeps into my heart too. And I I gotta say, God, I'm, 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 I'm turning this over to you. I trust you in this area. It's something I have to do every single day like you do. Now, as we wrap up and get out of here, I also wanna make mention, there's some of you here today that you've never trusted him to begin with in the first place. You've never taken a step of faith and said, Jesus, I want you to be my savior. Maybe it's because you didn't understand the darkness. Maybe it's because you, didn't under, you thought that it was about organized religion or, 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 or something else. But you've never trusted him to be your savior. Right now in this moment, nobody moving or walking or getting up, distracting anybody. Right now, would you just take a moment between you and God and trust him? You're not joining a religion. You're not even joining this church. You're saying, God, I want you to be my savior. I want the light of joy and hope and peace to flood my life. And if that's where you're at right now, I'm gonna ask you just to take, take my words and, and say a simple prayer. It's a prayer of faith. There's nothing special about the prayer. It's the faith behind the prayer that God sees. I'm gonna ask you to just close your eyes and bow your head and just take these words, make them your own. Reach out in faith right now to Jesus. Say something like this. Jesus, I see the darkness. For so long, I've, I've not, not known what to do about it. But today, I get it. You are the light of the world. You said, if anybody follows you, they can walk in the light. They don't have to remain in the darkness. And so today, I trust you. I believe you died on the cross for me to wash away all my sin. I believe you rose again on the third day to make me your child. And so in the best way I know how, the little bit of faith that I have, I trust you today. From this day forward, help me to trust you in all the areas of my life so that the light of joy and the light of hope can push out the darkness. I pray this in Christ's name, amen. Hey church, can we give God glory for what he's doing? Amen. If you just prayed to receive Christ, our church would like to leave you with a one-year New Testament, a free gift from us to you. There's tables in the back over here to my right and to my left. If you're in the balcony down on the main floor, you can grab one of those. We just want to give you something to be a catalyst in your new journey with Christ. If you prayed to receive Christ online, there's a little box there that you can check that says, hey, I, I trusted Christ today. If you put your mailing address there, we will send one of these to you in the mail. Also, really quick, I know there's some of you here today that maybe you heard the message of the gospel for the first time. Uh, in a long time about trusting Christ with your life and you still have questions, you still have maybe have some doubts, maybe you have some disagreements. Um, maybe you're just wrestling with the idea. You wanted to do it last week, you wanted to do it this week, you didn't do it. 
Um, that's, what, that's great, actually. We, we embrace that journey. We know that there are, there are battles, there are hurdles sometimes to putting your trust in Christ. And so that's why we've created an environment called Starting Point. Basically, Starting Point is a safe place where you can explore God, Jesus, what the Bible says, at a pace that's good for you. We don't ever want to cram things down your throat. We don't want your friends to cram things down your throat. We want you to make a decision at, in your own time and at a pace that is sufficient for you. So when you go back to the tables back there, ask about starting point as well. One more time, church, can we give God a hand for what he's doing? Amen. At this time, I'm going to hand things off to Matt, and he's going to wrap up with a couple of quick announcements. Thanks, guys.